0: Pat Lam, speaking in April
1: 2013. What attracted you to Connacht? Um, Probably the biggest thing for me, I need to know, when when I was playing rugby, I needed to know who I was playing for, because that's what brings the best out of you first. And when I looked into the research of of Connacht rugby, and I saw, you know, uh, they have been fighting, you know, like uh, always the underdogs, um, almost you know, disbanded from Irish rugby. You know, they fought against that as well. They could have easily given up. But that never give up, never say um, you know, die attitude is is really exciting to be part of. And the fact that we don't have the rock stars and we don't have the budget of the others, but it means that it comes right back, strip it right back to what rugby's about. It's a team game. Everyone is gonna have to give heart and soul into making sure that we perform to the best that we can.
0: Craggy Island Rugby Podcast Thank you You're very welcome uh, What do we call this Lindy? The post-celebratory podcast That's what it is And we got that in the first day Right Hey You weren't on our podcast so you get pride of place here Tell me how you're feeling three days four days whatever it is It's hard to keep track after we conquered our league Exhilarated. Yeah. Exhausted and tired and emotional. <laughs> <laughs> and you can read lots more in the Galway Advertiser this week. <laughs> you did a foot you've done a what eight page supplement, didn't think? Yeah, another eight
2: page supplement. So it was quite a busy and long week. Brilliant. So
0: just put to bed tonight. Going through the doors in everyone's houses before this podcast is out. Listen, this we were here at the uh, the official sport is launched. The 2016-2020 uh, Vision, I think, is the correct title for it. Grassroots, to Green Shirts is the other title for it. Um, pretty impressive little display from, the, from <laughs> Pat Lam, Willie Ryan, Nigel Carroll, and Eric Elwood. But I suppose that just copper fastens a week of these guys being at the forefront of everyone's mind when it comes to rugby.
2: Well, I wouldn't expect anything else from mm. those those four, given the fact that they are leading leading connacht um, and are all very capable men. Um, it, the, the, the grassroots to green shirts is is a an, has now become basically a pivotal and vital part of of Connaught and where Connaught is going and it's absolutely vital that it was presented to Connaught supporters, just so it happens that it came, you know, just straight after Connaught's, you know, biggest victory in history, which should hopefully, you know, provide some momentum towards that and towards the grass shirts particularly, um, in, in, in the vision that they have.
0: By their own admission, we welcome the lads in here as well, Alan. By their own admission, they kind of. Uh you know we 're quite happy to have a crowd of around whatever it was about one hundred and twenty five there because they weren 't necessarily looking to be overawed by uh, fans who can take photos and and, and chat about them on this occasion. they just wanted to launch this properly, so I, I think that was possibly why it wasn 't advertised massively just on Facebook but a uh, good event
3: it was yeah it was an excellent event um, but yeah no they were very impressive it was a, an excellent an excellent presentation from the four guys it wasn 't just like Willie stood up and did a brilliant job and then the guys all answered their questions particularly well. I thought Eric was was very good. I have to say, I, I was listening to some of the stuff going, I was saying this stuff 15 years ago. I wish there'd been a little bit more done at that stage, but I, I suppose we weren't at the level we're at now, that you know, everything has been put in place and all the right pillars and everything are in place to um, kick, the whole, kick the whole thing on from under-8s all the way
0: up. William, what should we be talking about now? What, like, where, where would you want the conversation to go here? Like, What's... What's next for Connacht Rugby? Is it that or should we still be basking in the glory?
4: I think it's about... Uh, still, you've still got to celebrate what we did last weekend, which was the culmination of the season. That's going to be foremost in everybody's minds through the summer. And the, the, the launch we were at tonight is about building for the future. And they've got great traction on that now because they've started with something really tangible. You've won your first trophy in 131 years. Um, the, the only way is up, because people are now taking real notice of collect, And there's beginning to be more of an understanding about what the principles, particularly behind the coaching ticket here, are, what they're trying to achieve and how they're going about it. The other stuff that's in the... Uh, and I, I'm not going to try Because if I say green shoots to green... Yeah, various,
0: even James Heath have had trouble with that. We've been giving him um, credit all year for it. So we day.
4: call it 1620 20 vision, I'm going to call it. 1620
0: yeah. uh, vision? It sounds like a medieval <laughs> night thing. 2020 vision.
5: 2020 vision.
4: Whatever. What, what, whatever it is, it, it, it has a certain... There's, there's a lot of strands in it. And some of them are probably not as as obvious to people. But they're very committed to it and they're very serious about it. And they've obviously given it a lot of thought. But I think most fans at the moment still want to go, Yippee, we won the Pro 12 on Saturday.
0: <laughs> and Dave, on that topic, and as I segue, watching, just kind of looking down on the presentation today, I couldn't take my eyes off the trophy for the first couple of minutes. Just sitting there... Glistening in the uh, in the uh, auditorium. Great.
5: Well, yes, Gollum, it was. Um, it was definitely <laughs> your precious. Um, My precious. That <laughs> was fantastic. I mean, it was. A, it was a lot of the people there tonight are. They're a representation of the hardcore. A lot of those guys have been been up to the sports ground in wet miserable conditions watching not particularly good rugby played against even worse opposition and they struggled through the hard times and they deserve this week month summer of do you know what we're the best in we're we're one of the three best teams there are only three domestic competitions can be won in European rugby and we've won one of them so Yeah, why not enjoy it I think the whole thing tonight went very well I think there's a a lot of ideas in there That are really, really fascinating There are things we can talk about later on I think this week for the majority of fans It's about basking in glory Because we know We've seen other clubs do it We've seen when they've won the the Heineken Cups They've basked for the entire summer and when they, even when they won Pro 12s they bask in the entire summer so whilst there's a lot to chew on from tonight but for the majority of people and indeed for ourselves let's just bask in it it's glorious weather it's really really nice I think we should go out there and just have some fun for a couple of months and then start again end of June end of July and get back into it then
0: OK coming up in today's podcast uh, just a note we're going to hear from Jerry tourney good interview that's coming up a little bit later we'll segue to that actually next we're also going to hear a little bit from Pat Lamb just from the celebrations off the Guy Bay FM interview which was a really Solid interview from Pat Lam and really interesting to hear him talk about the culture. Also, I wanted to run that Willy Ruan interview we did at the end of the uh, commentary, which some people might not have heard as well. We're hearing so we'll throw some of that at the end. Might even throw a few uh, snippets from the uh, commentary, to some of the stuff you might not have heard, just to give you a little bit more taste because I know you can't get enough of looking back. But for now, thank you to everyone who's uh, rated us on iTunes. <laughs> that meant a lot to us. It's helping us grow the charts. If you search rugby on iTunes now, we're one of about three podcasts that pops up first. So, really appreciate that's all your hard work. Keep rating us on iTunes if you like what we do and give us a little review we appreciate it follow us on that Craggy Rugby Pod get on our Facebook page as well you'll find that by searching Craggy Rugby Podcast should we segue to a bit of an interview in a couple of seconds go for we, it we'll do it now off you go Jerry Tornley
3: whose mother's from Leithram
0: <coughs> interesting and that didn't come up in the podcast because I didn't know that there but he go. did say he had family from Connacht he also said that we rank very highly in his favourite provinces as you're about to find out <laughs> touring the Irish Times on Craigie Island Rugby for the last time this season. Uh, can you put into context what Connacht have done in the wider landscape of the European rugby world?
6: Um, I don't think there has been anything like it in the history of the professional game. Wow. Because of where they've come from. Uh, highest ever finished seventh before this season. Was it five years ago? They were 10th out of 10. the Last year before the Italians joined, Connacht were 10th of 10. Um, poor relations for Irish rugby, underfunded. To come where they've come from, Right up until last season to then actually win the Pro 12 outright. There's no story like it. it it's, Exeter have been up there longer in England knocking on the door and they came close to winning the Premiership the weekend but still couldn't do it. Um, there's no story like it in French club rugby of um, a team... I mean, I suppose the last time Castor won would be something similar but they, they've been a traditional power nonetheless of French rugby. So I think what Conor have done has been quite extraordinary um, and it just shows you what you can do when you've got a man of vision running at the helm, selling a vision to players. Some brought in, mostly from around here. Some brought in from other provinces and built a family, a band of brothers that just were, um, by the end, unstoppable. I mean, they beat the reigning champions back to back and the the team who were the champions before them the previous two years um, handsomely at the weekend and it was the manner they did it, uh, the style of play, it was jaw-dropping it's brilliance, that 15 min- minute period around the first and second tries of the first half yeah. um, you just wanted to be, uh, even the press box, just a fan watching it because it was um, it was brilliant, the skill sets to get an Irish team playing like that, particularly Connacht and um, just listening to them making all their presentations here tonight, brought me back to was at 03 when we, the march took place in Lansdowne Road and they were the poor relations, underfunded, and then they were deemed the development province. It always struck me, I just thought, thinking about there now, that if Connaught were the most underdeveloped rugby province in Ireland, yeah. therefore they had the most development in them. Yeah. So it always made sense to me to actually try and make a bit of investment in them. And now... Um, They've done it. So it's just a great one-off achievement in its own right, Rob. I just think that you know we should herald it, celebrate it. It is a celebration of Connacht rugby, but it's a new breed brand of rugby with a new breed of player as well at the helm, and with Pat Lam there for another couple of years, um, Aki there for at least another season, some other good players joining. I, I think you know, I, I think Conant have arrived, and I don't think they're going away.
0: Sean Moore in your own paper a man I'm a huge fan of he wrote very well today in a, in a kind of perspective of how it can affect the GA this weekend Jerry in London the lads were telling me the pubs were packed full of Mayo fans mm. roaring out the fields of Atten Roy, which GA terms as a guy GA's on mm. like this has reached like there always seems to be an appetite for sport in the west of Ireland and you know very well from back in the day in the mid 90s when you were following Warren Gatlin that there was an appetite for Connacht Rugby then too there was a large rugby community here from a long time ago yep. but this has gone way beyond that now is it sustainable can it continue to grow might be a better question Um, yeah I think it can
6: it depends on a few key developments Um, I think what's really encouraging for the future is that not just the existing coaching staff and the existing play group that's there at the moment but as you saw tonight there's the class of Gatlin mid-late 90s are now effectively running the show. There's so many of them there. Yeah, Willy, yeah, looking yeah. at them there, Willie Ryan Nigel Carroll and Eric yeah. Elwood. Gavin Duffy's in there as well. Yeah. But those three were all playing in that 97-98 team under Gatland. They're teammates and they won. They beat Northampton home and away with their five Lions and so forth. And um, there's just a, there's a newfound level of professionalism and enthusiasm that is bursting out of the sports ground. You know those people. Are going to leave no stone unturned and do what they say they're trying to do. That you know that Eric Elwood is going to go out amongst all the clubs and all the communities and work, strive so hard to ensure that the kids a take up the sport now more and more numbers, and b those do they, they get better coaching and it's more aligned with what the Connacht branch are about and what the aims of Connacht are about. Nigel Carleton and Jimmy Duffy and all the other staff in the academy have been doing a great job for years in terms of talent identification and talent development. We've seen that this season, 46 players used, 10 academy players seamlessly brought into the team uh, with. The Requisite skill sets, uh, well-conditioned, etc., etc. He is superb at his job. So the all the structures, I believe, are in place. Preside, the fans now stay loyal and don't get too carried away, you know, don't get too spoiled with success. Don't expect Connor to win the Pro Twelve and the European Cup of year That's a nice joke. Mm. But it's a joke. Yes. Realistically, Connacht are not going to complete a European Champions Cup double and the Pro Twelve double in the same <laughs> season. It's unlikely. No Irish team has ever done it, I don't think. No. Not even Leinster and Munster, their pomp managed to double in the same year. Right. But just to put it all in perspective, I think that if Connacht are gonna remain contenders for the playoffs in the Pro 12 and in Europe and qualify for the Champions Cup each year if they do that if they become a that means they have become a force in European rugby not just Irish rugby not just Celtic rugby and that's a hell of an achievement because you know what their success has done is they made them more targeted for next season onwards but also you'd be damn sure the Ospreys and the Cardiffs and the, and the Edinburghs they're big clubs they all missed out in the top six they're going to be striving just as hard next season look at Munster just barely cleaning on to the place. this league is getting tougher and it ain't going to get easier it's going to go on getting tougher so for Conor to remain contenders with a big support base it's going to need a new stadium or it's going to need a redevelopment stadium um, but they can't give themselves a huge monkey around their necks either in terms of what Tom and Park became for Munster and they can't Disenfranchise their own fans by hiking up prices too much it's a very delicate balancing act now they've got a, the green machine that's kind of become I've got a new green army and I, I really hope they all stay together and it works out well because I think there could be a joyous few years ahead now and it, this isn't a one-off and I don't think it will be a one-off I think it's I think it's sustainable I really do just because of the huge We're can't having to wait so long 16 years you know what I mean or more 20, 20 odd years of professionalism to finally get here I mean it shouldn't wet the appetite. It should it should wet the appetite, not just satisfy it. Should wet it, and hopefully that uh, the fans stay on board and with the season ticket sales like never before. Um, it's great that there is a new breed of fan to go with the new breed of player, and they hopefully they're all sustained for a long time together.
0: Just finally, Connick fans always say wherever I go, Jerry Tornley he was always with us. He always had those few words to say. Did you feel a little bit sense of? Do you feel a little bit of kinship to the, to the west of Ireland? I know I used to come west, watch Connemara in the AIL. Never mind, watch Connick Did it kind of give you a little bit of a? They're my second team kind of feeling because I know that's in the roots, especially in us long term. who have been toiling away for many years. Like.
6: Second team. Who's my first? Um, <laughs> hey, nice. Um, 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 yeah. He, he, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I did. I felt a huge affinity in three. I watched my rugby correspondent, Law, in the Irish Times, and I just thought it was morally wrong and economically wrong and historically wrong it was just wrong on so many levels for the view to even countenance getting rid of Connaught. and the Irish Times in, in, in utter fairness to them sent me down here that week and I was able to interview was it Dahi Frawley who was then the manager, yes. then the chairman of the Connaught branch from uh, Portumna like John Muldoon who was just starting out then and Eric Elwood and uh, interviewing an awful lot of people and doing as much as we could to rally you know to Awareness of this—that you know, maybe a march might save them. I, mean, I spoke to good people, and they genuinely thought they were gone.
3: Yeah. And uh, we thought even on yeah, the march. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
6: yeah. It looked forlorn. And funny, you know, I was thinking just there listening tonight, like you know, like I said to you, if it's the most uncharted territory, therefore it should have the most investment. And finally, it's been seen to be the case, and now there's this whole potentially new breed of player that they can go out and capture at a young age as, as Pat Lamb said there look at all the young kids I saw Oh, I went, went to sports ground, Son of the Homecoming and the players were really good with them weren't they Galway people are good people and Conham people are good people and all the kids that came up in the replica jerseys and they posed for selfies and they signed autographs or whatever else and now you know I interviewed Ronan Lockley there recently in the building he talked about being 14 years of age and asking his dad to get Eric Elwood to autograph his football up in Galway he was too shy to go up and ask Eric himself well now there's a whole new wave of heroes for new young aspiring players too and you can't buy that I mean I don't know if they made much money out of the weekend they probably didn't i said that they're taking the gate receipts and their prize money was fairly minuscule but what Connacht got out of that weekend in terms of what was out in the sports ground back pitch with the homecoming what was on the streets of Galway um, on Sunday the they were probably the only trick that was missed by Galway and Connacht and wasn't there for there wasn't a large screen in Air Square at O'Connell Street in Limerick in 2006 that seems like politics getting in the way of a very good idea but a trick was missed there but in all other senses they've um, they've generated a huge goodwill. And I think, yeah, I do have a lot of kinship for Connacht. Like, yeah, lots of family bloodlines, early holidays, Connemara, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, huge, huge, huge affinity. And um, I remember shortly after that March, some fan came up to me because I'd tried to defend Warren Gatland after he got the sack. And I was defending the club game, which wasn't going very well. And this Connacht fan, I'd love to know who you are. He, he came up to me and said, Jerry, said, Thornley, fair play to you. Warren Gatland, the club game. And now Connacht, you're the patron saint of lost Causes. <laughs>
0: Voice of Jerry Torley. Quick reminder coming up as well. In a couple of weeks' time, we're going to put together a package for the season. Working on that it might take a wee while, but it's worth waiting for. We'll uh, take some of the snippets. God, we have so many podcasts from the entire season there, Alan.
3: Yeah, yeah I started there a little while ago. I've only got to four of them because it was just so much stuff that they had to, to go, some yeah, clips. Yeah, just yeah. clipping out. And I think, oh my God, yeah it's going to take a while to do this, but we um,
0: weren't waiting for.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think it
0: will. Linda, you said let's let's chat about the celebrations and the homecoming. I mean, you were on the plane home. Yes. There's probably things you can't tell us about that playing, no, home, but tell us what you can tell us. Uh, no,
2: no, no. I suppose um, what I can tell you is Martin Joyce. Oh, has yeah, got rhythm. <laughs> Martin Joyce, the kid. Martin Joyce, and I shouldn't be telling the saying this on there, but Martin Joyce, the kid man, was handing out the socks, I'd say, last year sometime. And I happened to be standing in the corridor waiting for an interview, and he threw me up here. Now, these nice. BLK socks are just fantastic, absolutely brilliant socks. They're the most comfortable socks oh. I've ever worn. Oh. And And I started wearing them on match days, and it became a little bit of a, a, a sort yeah. of a tradition, sort of superstition
0: thing that I had to wear these socks. Did you forget them in Treviso? <laughs> hey <laughs> well, that was was very cold there
2: <laughs> uh, well you see depend, depending on the weather and the washing in the house yeah. that yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. I did have to miss but it, I had them on I definitely had them on on Saturday and right. all I can say is when I got to, I raced because I was I missed the buses to, to Edinburgh Airport so I raced up the road trying to find the bus because Michael Kelly from Kelly Travels was ringing me to say we're leaving ooh pressure pressure, raced up the road, and I saw these two lads from Leinster, Jersey's jump into a taxi. Just before it took off, I banged on the door. They oh, opened the door. I said, you're going to the airport? They said, yes. Can I can I hitch a lift with you? No problem at all. They'd had a few to drink. I'd say, down at Drown in their sorrows, of course. Yeah, yeah. Get to the airport. Checked in. Went up to security and looked around. Oh, no. Anybody around here? No. A few people. Okay, I'll just wait till you go through. I had to take the boots off, of course, didn't I? Okay. Now, of course, I'd been working out. I'd flown out a knock. I'd flown out a knock at whatever. to had to, <laughs> been up to knock at 6 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning. And I was not taking off those boots in front of anyone to, to reveal these BLK socks.
6: <laughs>
0: so it's all this
2: big green BLK socks for I was able to I was able to put the, the boots back on in time to catch oh, no. the flight. But it, look... The, the, it, it must have been some journey home. Uh, look, it was just... It, it was just joyous and relaxed to to see all the lads. I mean, I think that's where, you know, when Pat Lamb talks about the culture and the camaraderie, you could actually see it there. You know, they're all sitting at the front of the plane, sort of the oldies sort of sort of back towards the middle and, and the sponsors behind and just the singing the, the way they interact with each other the fun and games that they had high spirits just so relaxed and I mean it was just it was just you know fun to watch them and have good reason I mean I've I've seen them and you know celebrate not celebrate before but I've seen them in action before but there was a special occasion to actually have a good reason to actually celebrate, and they were very good humoured, and
0: you know just having a bit of crack. When did you first get to send to the crowd? There was it not?
2: Not until I got off the plane, actually. Well, in, in fact, I I was standing out on the tarmac because I was with James Crumby from Info. Yes. So we were actually sort of recording the event. And so I had to walk through at the back of the players, and it was only when I came out and I saw people sort of clapping, I kind of shrunk sort of into the background. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came out and I looked behind me, and there was like two thousand people and cheering, and it was absolutely amazing, you know. And I, I think were I were the players taken aback by it? Did you Oh, I think no one. I think everyone thought they were just going to get on a plane, yeah. get on the bus, off the plane, on the bus, and shoot and shoot off home. Yeah. I don't think they expected that at all. And you know, there were people who came from all over Conant, um and I'm sure you would remember um, some of them... Uh Mary, who used to be the physiotherapist from oh, yeah. Westport. Yeah, yeah. Her dad, who's 90, came down from Westport, oh, especially because he really wanted to see this team. Oh, so it was lovely. quite emotional for a lot of those people from, from you know, the province of Galway, province of, of Connacht. And I think that's why Pat, when he does make those references frequently about the five counties, that, you know, he is hammering home the fact that, you know... It, that that is what Connaught is all about, and I think one of the things when talking to him, when talking to him about Knock, you know, when you could have flown out of Dublin, you could, uh, you could have flown out of Shannon. Pat was adamant. He said that he wouldn't. He wanted to fly in and out of Knock because it was the only airport in Connaught, and I think you know that was that was you know I thought I mean that it was it's, it's a very 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 clever piece of yeah, I was not only clever piece of PR but I think it's something that they genuinely genuinely wanted to do
0: to inspire the rest of Connaught. and now it's become part of the story Dave you're from Charlestown yourself a, a certain man I know Charlestown. from Char- Charlestown yeah, yeah to say it right a certain man I know from Charlestown is John Casey who was saying he was blown away he himself and a few lads were having a few pints and uh, popped out to the airport and like speech from Pat Lamb in particular like he said this Pat Lamb guy he's like Lincoln <laughs> he
5: was like... yeah and John not the only person who wouldn't necessarily found himself I mean wouldn't, certainly there's no there's no rugby in Charleston there's a kids club in Balladrine that's only recently been formed I only knew about it for the first time yes. when they turned up at the minis um, my mother knows rugby through me yes and even that vicariously now my mum who she, she, she does she goes to gang matches and she gets involved she got swept up in it. Yeah. She started. She texted me, oh, they're flying in. They're going to be in knock at quarter to 11. I'm thinking, ma'am, it's 10 past 10. We're still in Murrayfield. I'm not going to make it. Um, <laughs> next thing I was going a text message going, oh, they're not going to be until quarter to 11. And it's, OK, Grand Lovely, I'm somewhere between... Um, somewhere between Edinburgh and Glasgow Hector's Station yeah Then I get a message be the first somewhere round about the time we got lost in Glasgow but that's another story uh, oh, yeah. we were discussing we were the discussing house? the match at the time <laughs> um, went to Greenwich I got a text message going it's a mad I get a text message going there's a mad crowd here the atmosphere is fantastic then what you're actually there went, oh yeah we popped up <laughs> so that's what it's doing I mean people did I mean they did get up and, and again it ties back in like how then do you take this good win in areas that don't have rugby traditions and how do you how do you build on that but I mean if people are prepared to go and, and see a team which they don't they've, they've no immediately obvious connection to apart from the fact it's from their geographical area then that says that something is going a hell of a lot right and it's not just oh they've just won something there is a connection there as I say with people like John Casey like my mother wouldn't normally be rugby people there's no rugby in our hometown but they felt Do you know what this is something I want to be a part of and my mum said to me <laughs> is like your is like
3: the Connacht Jack Charlton, isn't he? <laughs> yeah,
0: he really uh, is. Yeah.
3: yeah, except we play good rugby and Jack Charlton played rubbish rugby, rubbish soccer. But that's not the point.
0: He, he played rugby pretty much he up right and under is. rugby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he got a standing ovation padlam when he went in this evening as well, which you know you, you might think obviously, but it was it was it was a really kind of touching moment. Your turn, really.
4: Yeah, it, it was. I mean, it, it, it's to be expected. He's 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 delivered something that w- that hasn't come before. It's not all. Pat Lamb our entire
0: players. podcast offers, we barely talked about it, which is funny but it was it was more to do with the fact that that's the point though this is where he's brilliant there's all the stuff in the aftermath and before it's the tone he sets it's the culture he builds yeah. and then when you're immediately talking about a match you're talking about what the players have done on the pitch which is exactly the way he'd want.
4: yeah because they're the guys that have to go out and do the job no, they have to be sent out in the right mindset and know what they're about Yeah, um, and that's what has struck me and I've probably said this too often in podcasts but it's the belief they have in this system and each other so there's two things are linked they know how to play but they believe in each other and they work for each other and that's that's why they won on Saturday because they were just a better team and a couple of times they took risks but they they have this mindset that they can actually do it uh, I think Leinster were just frightened. Leinster didn't really know. Leinster had one way of playing, and in the end they finished up trying to get penalties and scrums. That was their only tactic. That was their new tactic in the se- when they came come out after half-time and you're thinking, that's not going to win this. You've got to come out with a better plan. And, and uh, that's what he's been built into all year. Yeah, he, he, Murray Kinsley's has done another,
3: another brilliant analysis today. You know, know, He did a brilliant one the other day and he's done an even better one today. I was today. like, another one? <laughs> another one, and it's just fantastic. And I've actually sent it on to my dad and I said to him, you know, this guy is, you have to read this guy. You know, before Jerry Thorne, he was always my favourite guy and now now Murray is right there beside him because he's using modern technology to explain the game. And and I said to him, look, I sent one link and I said, you have to look at this because he explains it and you can see the pictures and then he describes it so you can actually see what's going on. <laughs> and Pat Lamb referenced him tonight He goes, I
0: know Murray's writing all these articles. But he said, like, that's fine, because he, he, I I might be jumping in here on you, but he referenced Ian McGeeken and he said, look, Ian McGeeken used to share all his ideas, and his attitude was, the more I share, the more I'm forced and challenged to keep rethinking and and innovating. And that's a very simple concept, and it makes sense.
3: It is, and and the Kiwis do it as well. Like, the Kiwi coaches do that same sort of thing. And and, and if you have, you've got something, and you've understood it, and you've implemented it, in order to get better, you have to move on so the best way to do that is to share it you know I'd wish I, I love coaching I adore coaching and I love love coaching kids and whatever and I wish I'd coach when I was younger because you know you learn so much when you're trying to explain what's going on that if you're doing it as you're playing you can actually learn even more I, I certainly believe that Gavin Duffy became an awful lot better rugby player from the moment he started coaching because he suddenly saw the bigger picture because it's not just one person not just what you're doing it's what everything else is involved and, and yeah
0: one of the silent uh, members of the Craigie crew who doesn't speak a lot in this podcast but is a big part of it is Aaron Byrne and he, Aaron does all the stats for me and then he, I would recommend to rugby enthusiasts if you get a chance to watch a game with someone in their ni- 19, bracket who have been involved in academies and love the game I stood and watched a game with him a few years ago against Corinthians, and I, I raved about the talent afterwards. Like, like I've watched him rugby my entire life. This guy, I, I felt I like was new to the game, so you can learn so much from the new coaching structures that are instilling such knowledge in these younger players. And Murray Kinsella is one of the graduates of that system because he was a monster under twenty-one. He understands the game so well, and now he can, <laughs> us mere mortal, mortals can learn more.
2: Yeah, he's done a lot in terms of his his analysis. Um, interesting enough, that that did crop up at the press conference in Edinburgh. And uh, John Muldoon was quick to point out that you know thanks very much for sort of analysing us to death and for De yeah. making us making us aware. But, he, but, but, he, but John Muldoon did say that there were a few tricks that he he wasn't quite Murray wasn't quite there. So Murray quickly turned around and said, oh God, I better go back and do some more homework on it. That's
0: why he's, he's like he's churning out all these articles now until he gets it right.
2: <laughs> but I think one of the interesting things about it, and I think this is part of pet. Pet Lamb's philosophy, which is also vital, is to give players to make players more self-aware to make players more autonomous to make players take control and interesting enough um, John Muldoon said that now the players are tweaking those plays because you, they need to be tweaked every now and again because <coughs> the analysis, the way it is these days, every single team will have an analysed to death. So he said it's not just Pat Lamb now, who, Pat Lamb's introduced it, but the players are now taking control, and they're looking, they've all got the computers, they've all got the, the you know the um, systems on their computers, and that they're, they're coming forward and saying, why don't we try this, why don't we try that? And I think that's a, that's a, a, yeah. a really, really important step to to a side that is... That is taking control of itself, not relying on just you know one man. That is really growing up and maturing, and I think
0: that's that that's a, that's a brilliant thing to see. The fluidity then is going to lead to lots of variations on the system, and in the end, Murray will just be analysing in retrospect each week rather than preempting
5: how games are going to be played. Yeah, the day Murray starts to preempt, then we've got a problem because. We should never become predictable. I think that's one thing you can say about a lot of the sides—not just in in, in in Ireland, but across World rugby. I mean, Pro 12. Uh, sorry, not Pro 12 is probably the least predictable because you have ourselves, you have Glasgow. I mean, with Nakarawa, you've got someone who just you can't predict what he's going to do. Um, it's a shame he's going to France. You've got Ulster who have their moments of doing unpredictable stuff. Leinster, if they actually if they believe in themselves a bit more, but they seem to. I think I think it was we brought it up in the last podcast actually it was Stuart Barnes who brought it up in the fact that he felt Exeter had, had, had t- their sphincters are tight and they'd gone to yes. not losing rugby yes. and Leinster had gone to not losing rugby but in the pro our semi-final against our two games against Glasgow were two you've no idea what was going to happen next literally because there were too, so many players on the pitch with that not necessarily that it wasn't that they were so unpredictable or undisseminate that they didn't know what they were going to do next and no one could predict what they were going to do. But there was an ability to express yourself in the way, in the, at, the, at the right time. And there were too many teams, and top 14 is the prime example of this, where expressing yourself is complete is, is just anathema to coaches. And at least with Pat, players can express themselves. And if that's coming out, as Nini says, because players are allowed to go up to Pat and allowed to go up to the coaches and go, why don't we try this? then that can only be good for college we don't become predictable because guys are being allowed to express themselves not just on the pitch during a game but in, in, in training and trying new ideas and as long as we always stay at least two steps out of Murray Murray's brilliant I mean the piece he did about Bundy, Sackle and Johnny Sexton is a fantastic piece because when I saw it live I didn't even see half of what Murray saw no but as long as Murray can't predict what, what Bundy's going to do the next time he comes up against Johnny Sexton then Connick are a step ahead of the game
0: yeah and one of the greatest tries we'll ever remember Connick scoring Bundy threw the ball on the ground and Marmion just had a quickness of mind to go oh it's on so so much of it too is, is is not as fluid as it seems the overall picture of that try is so fluid but, but there there is little errors in it as well and that's that's what's brilliant about it maybe that's what's so perfect about it I don't know well I think uh, the try that,
2: that, that knee scored wasn't. yeah that's what I'm saying yeah, because yeah.
0: Marmion chose that ball out the ball goes to ground initially yeah. and then. Right, but it starts with Healy. I'm running Stats, infield, Stats, and Henshaw Stats, yeah. kind of going. I need to use my leg drive Red and my power to please. keep it going.
2: And the people, and and the people in Chardonnay. position, be,
0: be in position to be able to. End of season, Alan. He's not focused. <laughs> Red Star and Chardonnay. Yeah, that's what's that happens. Is this what happens when we win trophies? We turn into Lencer. Lily, <laughs> can you please finish your point? Because I don't yes. want to have to edit this. What was your point? Yes. 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 yes.
2: No, no. I, I was just saying that you know, d- despite the fact that it wasn't fluid and there was a, s- a certain breakdown, it was the fact that everyone was in a position to pick up quickly. Yes. That for that eventuality. Yes. So that although although yes they weren't necessarily aligned the way they sh- they should have been. They were still in position whereby Marmion was there to pick up the ball. Knee was there. Knee, I think, had the most brilliant game on on Saturday. I have to say. Oh, wow. I mean, I just I think it was almost like you know Pat Lamb had said to him, "Look, lads, just go out and play and enjoy." And he really, really took and he really took that to heart because I thought he was absolutely superb and to have the presence of mind to to kick that ball. To chip that ball, the perfect,
0: perfect the ball control and the
2: foot. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, and for you know, for for a player who was two seasons ago what, playing for Trinity College. I mean, I just think that 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 you know is really testament one to the player for his hard work and what he's put into it, but two to the Connett system and the connaught coaches and the management for and and for having the wherewithal to see this player and to be able to turn him
0: into a top-class rugby player his body language too lately has been fantastic and the other thing I want to say about ball control I'll tell you about in a second but carry on I want to go back to the first try
5: the first try is again it's like that it's about being able to express yourself but it's also about knowing it's going to happen irrespective of who actually makes it happen because if you think about it the first try is Matt takes the ball crashes up Mull hits the rock and the boys line up Bundy lines up out with turning outside him and Robbie outside him they know the ball is going to come quick because they just they just do it's going to come quick yeah, Bielham, the fact where did bealem come yeah, from to and be that's a scum that's, that's the issue finley throws the pass and it's a brilliant pass by the way all our come out Behind Zach, but anyway. It's a brilliant pass for a tight head in a quick situation at a Rook. He's just
0: run 100 meters faster than you've ever run.
5: <coughs> yeah, I mean, sure. all, all all our all our props can throw passes from the base of a Rook. Dennis has been doing it all for the last two seasons. But it's the idea is that it doesn't matter who's going to throw the pass. The pass is going to come, and that's what that's the great thing is. And, and the fact is that it doesn't matter. It could have been anybody. It could have been Marmion. It could have been AJ Ash. It could have been John Muldoon. But it was it was Finley, it just happened through the pass. Other teams will stop and wait for a scrum wait for the scrum half or a winger to get there there's no need for that and that's a good you can do whatever you can at moments you can do whatever it is and if that means you have to play like a scrum half and you're a tied prop grand just go ahead and do it It's
0: funny the only times our, our line breaks don't turn out to be ending is when the player slips Healy slips a few times in different games over the last few months uh, Kieran Marmion made a great group break against Glasgow and slipped they were the times when it all broke down because it was too slow the ball but any times when the player actually got to go into the contact because of their body position in the contact because of the forward leg drive it all kind of leads to it also uh, just on, on the. Addio Lokan's got soccer skills. I, mean, I I used to I remember at the end, when I was working with Connacht they used to have an end of season five aside just for a bit of fun and they had a little Olympic games. Rugby players playing soccer <coughs> is usually and all of us know this is usually the funniest thing in the world, but I, I reckon the Lokan's one of those guys who's just a gifted, gifted athlete, nice touch and amazing speed.
3: Absolutely, and he played a lot of soccer and Gaelic when he was younger.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, he you did know. as well as well as the Gaelic. Like, he's very good at Gaelic, I'm
3: told. I, I did have to laugh on one of the message boards and someone saying when, when does he qualify for Ireland I'm thinking okay they keep calling him a Nigerian winger he's been here since he was
0: 10 you know <laughs> yeah. he's learned <left> everything <laughs> and it, and here and he's there and he's there yeah, yeah, yeah. just enough time for a few clips of audio and any other business so will we start with the clips of audio yeah Pat Lam at the start of the show people will have heard we didn't talk about it yet his uh, 2013 interview with me Four, about four months before he even took helm, because he came in about well, no, about eight weeks before he started, he came in towards the end of the season, and he did that country. Uh, Lads, time for Willie Ryan, who talked to us on Galway BFM. Myself and William. Alan got him? You got him, as in you got Willie Rand? Oh, Brandon I went, from, them.
3: Oh, yeah, I went yeah. and grabbed him, yeah. yeah nice work. And actually, that was quite funny, because I, I was wearing my... <laughs> the the, the, pre, the press guys all got a black hoodie. Yeah. And the reason I was wearing it was because it was bloody cold in, in Murrayville. It didn't look cold, but it was bloody cold, and I hadn't put enough clothes on, so I was quite happy to get this black Pro 12 top on. He was in the tunnel <laughs> chatting to a guy with the same top as I had on, and I don't know what they were talking about. But I stood there, and I waited just for a, a, a break in the conversation and I said, excuse me and Willie just stood back and said to the guy in the pro tour, you want to talk I went, no, no Willie, it's you I want to talk to because <laughs> the other guy was looking at me going who the hell are you? <laughs> I said, Rob's on Galway Bay, would you mind coming and chatting to us and he said, yeah, no problem he didn't even Straight hesitate up.
0: and he spoke to us for a good five minutes have a listen to this while we're listening to this is only like an hour after his province have won their first ever trophy composure? I think so
7: very proud obviously for everyone who works with Connex Rugby but more importantly proud of everyone who's played a role um, in any way shape or form uh, whether it's a club or a school whether it's a volunteer or someone who comes out and just coaches a team on a Saturday morning because um, sometimes you know it may not seem as obvious but you know Robbie Henshaw Jack Carty all these guys they all started off in a club with some guy on a Saturday morning coaching them and um, to them all I'm just a uh, I'm proud for them all.
0: Yeah, it's only, what, a few days ago that you launched Grassroots to Green Shirts in, in Dublin. You're going to launch it on Wednesday night in, uh, in go- Goy. I think you're going to need a bigger venue for that. But you might have to, actually. <laughs> but that, that aside, um, it, it was well-timed and you knew what you were doing because you, you believed in this team. Like, I, I presume, much like us, you just really felt this team were going to go out here and do this today and everything's coming together. There's a bigger picture, which you were showing us last week in their Grassroots to Green Shirts, but there's also the smaller picture. This team just delivering
7: on the season that they had with a trophy. Yeah, but they're quality players. I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk about the number of internationals you have. Um, We have a team full of internationals that just haven't been capped yet. Mm. That's the reality of it. And uh, there's some really high quality players there playing within a system that they are very, very comfortable with, with really good skills. And, um, you know, I, 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 I definitely won't say that I came here this evening thinking that this was going to be our day because you just don't know Yeah. Um, but one thing I didn't know was that we could win that was that belief was without a doubt that was there for everyone um, but you know just because the story for us has been such a great story doesn't mean you're entitled to turn up and win on, a, on any given day yeah. um, the thing that really stood true was the guys had the they had the conviction and they had the the bravery to play rugby all the way through that match and and um, you know, it was interesting. In the last couple of days, different people would have asked me about, you know, whether the, the occasion would get them, get to the guys, and genuinely, they just they, it didn't have been very unaffected. Actually, in terms of the pressure, and it just isn't today. I mean, if you think back, it was Leinster, Mulster, Ulster, two Glasgow matches. Mm. They were all high pressure games, and the guys just went out and, as Pat says, stuck to the process and delivered really, really good quality rugby. and I'm just delighted for
0: them,
4: William. I've just had a long chat with Stuart Burns, uh, working for Sky Television. He is ecstatic about the type of rugby that we're trying to play. He he's given me an interview, and he's and I heard him dictating his piece to the Sunday Times. And he's just talking about uh, the the how tactically good it is and how it is played with no fear and as you said with with conviction and that's something that Pat has been preaching since since day one
7: yeah because in fairness to the guys they know their job um, you know I sat here yesterday for the, the captain's run and uh, they went through a couple of phases but it ended up being about seven or eight phases and Pat could literally tell you every single time before where the ball was going where the ball was going and that's the level of detail that these guys have got down to. And um, it's one thing knowing it; it's another thing being able to deliver it on a big day. And again, and that's I'm just very, very proud of them.
0: One of the things I was going to ask you—you you, you say no their jobs—is really interesting. Shane O'Leary came on the pitch, had to go on the wing, and he looked mm-hmm. like Matt Healy on that, on that restart because he shot up the line as Matt Healy always does. Or Ronan Lockney these last few weeks—he's been doing the Dennis Buckley role of slotting in at scrum half, half when needed. That, that is—that's it in, in, in clear uh, for everyone to see. The process—you're in that role, you do the Dennis Buckley role. It's not just Dennis Buckley doing amazing things; he's just following
7: <laughs> following the blueprint. Yeah, because that's, that's that's the way they that's the way they train. Mm. Um, they do it week in, week out. Um, you know, and even a few weeks. Tom McCartney had to step in to loose they actually trained for that event so while in one way I know there was a lot of people on the sideline wondering oh my god what was happening they had actually prepared for that Um, in the same way that they've prepared for Matt Healy stepping in for scrum half at any given time um, because he's played scrum half and you just cover all those options and if they're available to you the one thing you don't want to do is fall down because you've failed to prepare. For and uh, that's the one thing that uh, Pat and the guys uh, will not fall down is in that preparation. You said to me a few weeks
0: ago, off the record, but you won't mind me saying it now, if we can win a trophy, what that could do for Connick Rugby. You said it. You could. I could see you visualising it. This
7: homecoming, these next few weeks, even the next year, it's going to be incredible. Oh, yeah. I, look, I said to someone earlier on, um, while it's a story about rugby, it's in many ways it's not actually. It's a story about the whole of Connacht. Um, you know, Connacht for a very long time has just been yearning for something to cheer about something to get behind and something to be proud about and um, I am so thrilled for people all over the province that were able to shout at the television today and all the crowd that came here today Um, and not alone just came here in hope they came here in belief and um, for the whole province I I, I honestly can't say I can't tell you just how chuffed I am for everyone um, because that's that's the piece that has a lasting effect. And um, I absolutely know... My three young boys are here today with me. They will never ever forget today, and they will want to play for Connacht, and they'll want to play for Ireland because of what they've seen today. And I just hope more kids around the province get that same um, effect.
0: That's brilliant, William, uh, William. Quickly there before
4: we've we've had a few tweets in. People are wondering when you're heading back exactly. and, and what what you might be planning to celebrate this for the folks at home who didn't who didn't make it over here.
7: Yeah, um, we're actually meant to be heading in about minutes. <laughs> so, Oops. I think okay, we're right. ten minutes shy of being officially late. Um, Hold that plane, please. <laughs> but but um...
0: it's okay. Alton de Land's still down there. You're fine. They're not yeah, going without no, Alton. No, no, they no, might no, go no, without you, no, really. No, uh, they'd be they'd harsh, go but
7: go um, <laughs> No, but I think our flight is around eleven o'clock, and we're flying back into Knock. And for us, that was that was crucial. I mean, sometimes these things uh, people don't realise how important they are. For us to fly back into Connacht with the trophy, um, that meant everything to us. Um, so we'll be flying back in tonight. Um, Should our, be in around our, midnight our, or something. Midnight-ish. Ish, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I believe that there's something arranged yeah. for tomorrow, the details of which... We've now, just got them uh, yeah. four
0: o'clock tomorrow, opened up 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 to the sports ground.
7: All right, great, great, great. So, um... um yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great.
0: Will, you ran on, perhaps, on behalf of everyone in go BFM, a huge congratulations to you as CEO and to your team. And we look forward to chatting to you a bit more tomorrow if we have some time. Thanks, on, guys. And,
7: and thanks for your support all the way through the year. It's genuinely, it's when there are some fixtures that aren't the more glamorous ones for you to be turning up every single week and bringing the message back home, genuinely, that's the support that we require. Fair play to you.
0: just before we finish with the interviews here's Pat Lamb speaking on stage after they had been uh, greeted by well Pat said 20,000 fans today it was, it was definitely around 15 15,000 yeah incredible had some interviews this year but this one is one that I never thought I'd be doing with you and first and foremost I just think everyone will want to say thank you for what you've done for, for
1: Connacht Rugby well, I just want to say thank you to all the people I mean you know it's we, we're fed of the support with you know when we you know, when we put a lot of focus into our community and, and, and who we represent, but then in return they, they come out and today is unbelievable. What happened at NOC last night was unbelievable at 2 in the morning. The amount of people that came to welcome them. The amount of people that are still on their way back from Edinburgh that came out. You know, just and then, then, you think of all the people throughout the whole season. You know, that came. Even you know, we had record crowds even before um, in some of the games early that we don't normally have uh, big crowds. It's, it's just been an amazing ride and been carried on by the support of the whole
0: province. Was there a moment early on where you started to understand the culture? Because one thing that we feel now is you really get what we're about. We have a lot of sense of identity in our region and our counties and who we are, and it comes from the GA in a large way, and it comes. From her geographical identity. At what point in your term, three years ago, two years ago, did you say, "I'm starting to get this place. I'm starting to
1: understand it"? Well, I, I did a lot of work before I got here because that's the sort of person I am. I, even when I played, I needed to know who I represented. So I studied. And I looked at videos. I watched the West of Wake documentary. I just started looking into the history. And then within the month, I probably been to all the five provinces just with the family. We started getting around and having a look. And you met people. I met my neighbours. You met the people that were here and, you know, obviously speaking with Eric and then you start understanding and uh, I like could connect because it's very similar. I mean, the West of Ireland people are very similar to the old Western Samoa and, uh, you know, it's all about family, extended family and, and community and, and that's why it was easy to connect here. Did you allow yourself to take in the noises you got
0: off the bus yesterday? Were you afraid? I know you weren't, that your players were going to be affected by that.
1: I mean, was it more than you expected even as you stepped off to the fuse around Rome? I was definitely more than I expected, but you know, I also knew that you know, expect a lot of things that would be different uh, going into a final. So when we when we focus a lot on how we play the game, and then I, I love emotion. Emotion can help you if it gets channeled into the game. It, will, it It's a disadvantage if you've got no game to channel it into. And um, so when we come off, it was unreal. I knew some of the boys, I could see watery eyes and stuff. So I pulled everyone in the changing room together for two minutes and just had a couple of quiet words. Um, and said, let's use that again and just channel all that into the game. I think we saw that. I mean, everyone's commented about the way we played. The people of Connacht didn't know that's the way we've been playing. But I think what you saw was that emotion and that feeling came through in the way the boys executed, whether it was the tackles the, the line speed, getting off the ground, the passing, the the, the, the backup the support, the clean out, all of that was shown, all that emotion came through there A lot of talk, reasons, people trying to find out why
0: Connacht are where they are all season, but now when you look at what they've achieved, won the title against full strength opponents right down the stretch, no one can doubt Connacht are the best team in, in the Pro
1: 12 this year Well I think we've, we've proven it, you know like we're the only team that stayed in their top 4 Right through, which was a credit to our consistency. We used 46 players, and um, you know we brought through eight academy players. Um, you know we've had a lot of our. Uh, I wasn't able to name the same team right through until the last final. And when you look at all of that, and then the run we had at home, where everyone was full strength after the Six Nations, and we went on a really good run, and um, you know, and we won convincingly in that final. And uh, you know, possibly should have been by more, but um, all we needed was the, the trophy.
0: Pat, take a look out onto this. Pitch and the crowd that was here and are still here and just tell me about what this makes
1: you feel uh, potential wise for rugby in the west of Ireland uh, mate, the amount of kids in the Connacht jersey when we talk about grassroots the green shirts there's kids there are going to be inspired, inspired I no doubt I want to be the next Matt Healy I want to be the next 10 in a Halloran I want to be the John Muldoon and so forth and that's what, that's what's going to drive everything we do from what Eric does in the club and community what Nigel does in the academy that's what's going to get people involved in rugby and grow and you know but we can't take it for granted you know there's, we can't say we won a trophy and it's going to happen we're all back to work you know Willie sent out a real positive email to all the staff congratulating but pretty much said let's raise the level again and, and that's the challenge for everyone the whole organisation Champions Cup next year? Without a doubt you know looking forward to it um, you know we want to get we want to be last this year no Irish team got through we want to make sure we're through into that knockout so that's a big goal I'm sure that trophy is going to be touring the uh, clubs all around the province without a doubt I want to get that trophy into the clubs into the schools you know just really connect again with the community because that's what got that's what got the trophy there in the end. Pat everyone in Galway Bay FM wants to thank the team please send on that message and enjoy the summer you've, you've done this all proud. Yeah thanks I want to thank you too Rob and all your crew and Craigie Island and Galway Bay you know just uh you know supporting the team you know through all the thick and thin. and I know even before my time and you guys have done a great job because you know you're the ones who give the inside stories that let the people know what's going on so well done mate.
0: Alan, final thoughts?
3: We're the champions and people have to come to the sports ground with its dog track, yes. which is not 10 metres wide. Yes. And come and play against our team, against what the, what, you know a great set of fans who love the rugby. Um, and yeah, it's going to be awesome.
0: Clay Finn, any other thoughts?
5: We are reaching parts that we don't normally reach. <laughs> Picture yourself, it's... Maybe half ten, eleven o'clock at night. You've just seen your team win a match. You're standing outside the stereotypical Edinburgh chippy. They are serving the stereotypical Edinburgh food to the stereotypical type of people who eat Edinburgh food. <laughs> you go out and get some air. You're on your own. This beautiful, beautiful young, possibly slightly drunk, but let's not change it. Blonde woman walks past you turns around to you with the most beautiful, sexy, blonde lilt and goes, who won the rugby? And you go, oh, well, Connacht won, because you're still a bit befuddled. (laughs) And she turns around to you and she smiles, this beautiful smile, and says, I do love it when the underdog wins. That's what we're doing, folks. We're making the Scottish beautiful women love Connacht.
0: Yeah. well that in itself is an endorsement of the future of Connacht Rugby there William,
4: firehead. yeah um, um, yeah look it's great <laughs> and it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> and um, let's enjoy it while we can and pre-season training starts on the 20 30th of June 30th of June by which stage we'll know our European uh, opponents and I would expect that Pat and his team will take another couple of days off and then they'll start plotting next year Uh, Because the big thing for next year is we're the champions. That's great. But it also means that teams really, really want to beat you. There's a few guys out there now whose noses are at a joint and it's a big selling point to a coach. Go out and beat the champions. So we'll have to get better. He talked about that tonight and it's going to be another fabulous uh, ride. Brilliant.
0: Game one, I guarantee you. Five-year on it, Williams going to call it a must-win. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
7: <laughs>
0: Lily, <laughs>
2: uh, look, I look, I, I just think there needs to be a little time taken to just enjoy this moment. There's been, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people who have who have backed Connacht Rugby and fought for Connacht Rugby and followed Connacht Rugby and written about Connacht Rugby even who just need to luxuriate in this in this moment and just enjoy there'll be time enough come June 30th when the squad reconvenes to be thinking about next season and I know it's up to those professionals you know like Pat Lamb and Jamal Muldoon, who have already talked about that um, I just you know I just think that people need you know, you have to just enjoy enjoy this. And there's there's just too many people who have invested who have you know vested interest in Connacht rugby down through the years. And, you know, most of whom you can't name because you know it comes down to a few people who are named as as having provided this this moment of glory. But yet, it's not. It's it's there's hundreds and hundreds of people who deserve this.